Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. Who will deliver me from this body? Not what am I going to do to fix it? Not what 10 steps can I take to get over it? Who will deliver me from this body of death? And he answers it. I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself will serve the law of God with the flesh, the law of sin. And so he says, I thank God Jesus is going to be the one to help me. And it's Jesus who has offered to you and I the Holy Spirit, knowing that we need help, knowing that we need strength that we don't possess in our natural. Are you trying to save yourself within your own flesh? In today's message from Pastor Bill, he explains to you that each one of us need a savior. At one point in our lives or another, we will have to acknowledge the truth that we can't save ourselves. Ultimately, our flesh and our own strength will wear out. However, God gave us a savior, Jesus. He never grows faint or weary. Pastor Bill encourages you to put all your trust into him. He is the one that is powerful enough to save and secure your life eternally. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Galatians chapter 5 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. I already have something in me that's greater. I just have to yield to it. I just have to let God have it. I don't know if you've ever seen a a kid that's a, a big kid, big and strong, but he's soft. So he gets bullied all the time. And you look at him like, man, if you just could... If you just got to harness the power that you do, you, you don't even see what you are. If you would just you would just if, if we could put a different mind in your body, you would be all right. You know, I've seen that before. Where's a kid like you're huge. If you just be a little more confident, you know, you wouldn't be taking bullying. But, you know, you got to get someone to connect with what they have inside of. And that's really what it is in the spiritual life. What you have in you already greater than the flesh, already more than which everything that you need to be victorious. You have it. But you got to tap into it. And it's not going to be by works. It's not going to be like you don't have to work really, really hard. This isn't going to be a message that says you, you guys got to hunker down and, and really mm, strain. You really just have to yield. God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to surrender to you. I'm going to yield to your spirit in my life like never before. That's how we're going to get to a place of victory. Now, I said I was going to read a section of Romans. Um, Romans 7, you can write down 18 to th- through 25. As Paul explains the same battle that he's talking about in Galatians, it says in Romans 7, starting at verse 18, for I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells for to will is present with me. That's to want to do the right thing. But how to perform what is good, I do not find for the good that I will to do. I do not do. But the evil that I will not to do that I practice. And maybe some of you guys have experienced that. Man, the good I want to do. Don't do it. And the evil that I don't want to do, that's what I find myself doing. That's the that's the internal battle happening in the life of people that are born again. He says, now, if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I find then a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God, according to the inward man. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. And Paul says, oh, wretched man that I am. And he asks an important question. Who will deliver me from this body? Not what am I going to do to fix it? Not what 10 steps can I take to get over it? Who will deliver me from this body of death? And he answers it. I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. 
So then with the mind, I myself will serve the law of God with the flesh, the law of sin. And so he says, I thank God Jesus is going to be the one to help me. And it's Jesus who has offered to you and I the Holy Spirit, knowing that we need help, knowing that we need strength that we don't possess in our natural. And so moving on in Galatians. So he says. Verse 17 again, he says, for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. And so, again, that's the, the net result is when the flesh is winning, you don't do the things that you really want to do. Uh, you're inward man. You're not doing you're not living the life you want to be living. Verse 18. Now, there's a here's a contrast. But he says, but if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. If a person is being led by the spirit and I want you to note this, that there's nothing that the spirit is going to lead you to do that's going to be breaking the law. So you're not under the law. You're under a different whole different climate. I'm just led by the spirit of God. And so the law is not really a factor in my life. I'm not led by the law. I'm not under the law. I'm being led by the spirit. But if a man is led by the spirit, you're not going to be a law. You're not going to be breaking the law. You're not going to. The spirit's not going to lead me to murder. The spirit's not going to lead me to lie. The spirit's not going to lead me to steal or to commit adultery or to bear false witness or to covet someone's goods or to be an idolater. The spirit will never lead me that way. The spirit's going to lead me in a way that honors God, that glorifies God. And so what I could do instead of looking at all the rules and regulations that the law would have me try to keep, it'd be a lot easier if you just be led by the spirit because there are places that the spirit will never lead you. There are places the spirit of God will never encourage you, lead you or take you. And if you if you can learn that, if you can learn to live a life that's yielded and led by the spirit of God, you can be where you need to be. You can be right with God without the burden of law keeping. And that's really the relationship God's trying to bring us into. I want to be led by you. And I'm, I'm yes, I know the word of God, God's spirit and God's word work together. So the spirit is never going to lead me where the word, you know, disagrees. But if I can just be yielded to the spirit of God. There's a freedom in that. There's a, there's, a, there's a liberty and a freedom in being led by him. And so moving on now, he says, uh, verse 19, he says, now the works of the flesh are evident. And that word evident, that means they're clearly seen. So the, the works of the flesh, the outworks, the, the outward manifestations of a person that's in the flesh, they're clearly seen. And so if someone's in the flesh, he says, it's not hard to see. These will be the manifestations. These things will be produced from their lives. I'm going to go through this list. There are going to be things on this list that you may look and say, as a Christian, oh, I've done that. And I want to make this clear because as we come to the end of the list, Paul says, those who practice these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so the thing is not, these are things that maybe as a non-believer you lived in, possibly as a Christian, you may possibly struggle with even have stumbled in at times. But if these things be for you a way of life, then you need to be you need to be concerned today. If we go through this list and you say, wow, that's that's my whole life. That's how I get down on a regular. Then again, it's a it's a it's a solid warning that things aren't right. And so moving up, look at the verse 19. It says so. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Which are, and I want to note the first four all are sexual in nature. The first one is adultery. That is unfaithfulness in the marriage relationship. Adultery is a person that is married, that has relations outside of their marriage. You're an adulterer. It's also a person that's having relations with someone that is married. You're an adulterer. And so 
uh, rather you're cheating on your husband or wife or you're involved with someone that has a husband or wife, either way, that's adultery. And if that's the way that you're living, the Bible would say, look, if that you live adultery as a lifestyle, then you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. Um, that can't be how you're living. And so I warn pe people that are single and they're dating somebody else. Um, there are people that are married but broken up from their marriage, but they haven't been divorced. They're still currently married. If somebody's married, but they don't live with the person that they married with and don't acknowledge the relationship and don't wear a ring, before God, are they still married? Yes. So you can't be messing around with married people, right? Um, fornication, next on the list. Fornication is simply uh, an unlawful sexual intercourse. Sex while not being married. So if you're not married and you're having sex, that's fornication. If you do that as a lifestyle, you're a fornicator um, who will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Again, like I said, with all these things, there, there could be things that people have fallen in or stumbled with or challenged with as a believer. But if this is a lifestyle, if you're a fornicator and this is how you get down, you practice this, then you can't inherit the kingdom of God. And there are people that I know that feel like, you know, like, I guess just okay. I'm going to read these things. I'm gonna, we got a few other places we're going to look at, but the word that says is, that's not okay. Uh, uncleanness is moral or evil. It's, it's a sensual evil. Things that will fall under the, the line of uncleanness would be uh, things like pornography, other illicit sexual things that are, that are outside the confines of what God allows. It's, it's sexual uncleanness. Um, last one is lewdness. This is shameless conduct, uh, involving an absence of restraint. This would fall in line. There's somebody that strips or reveals themselves. It's a, it's a shameless, lewd lifestyle. Again, any of these things done as a believer, I mean, you can't, as, 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 as a practice, God would say, you can't inherit the kingdom of God. So you mean a woman can't be a stripper and be saved, you know, or a guy or whatever. Is, and I, I mean, I'm saying this and we're laughing, but there are people that are like, no, you, you can that's just my job. And it's like, no, not as a Christian. Get another, go to Starbucks. Find something else to do. Sell cars. Do anything else, but don't do that. And so, again, and I want to be clear, my heart is not to condemn anybody. God gives his word to reveal what is so that we can line up with him. And so if I, if I, there was a time in my life where I would have read the first two things and I'd have been guilty. Okay, I'm not, I'm not going to heaven. That's where I was. That is exactly where I was before I got saved. I won't be going to heaven. I need to get saved. I need God to help me. Now, that can't be the case. If you're saved, you're walking with the Lord, this shouldn't be, none of these things should be your way of life. These things should sound more like your testimony than your, your current uh, way or manner of living. Now he moves on. Idolatry is next on the list. Um, idolatry is, it's not just the worship of idols, which we see a lot in the Old Testament, and we see a lot in certain other religions and cultures where they actually worship idols. It's beyond that. It's an, an idol is anything that we anything that we exalt above God in our heart or in our mind. Something that is on the throne above God, that is an idol. And so idolatry is holding anything, uh, worshiping anything that I, I esteem it and I hold it above the Lord. And some idolatry, again, for many of them, back for, for them at this time, there was idol worship, which was um, it was it was like worshiping demons. That happens today. There are people that unbeknownst to them are are participating in forms of worship that are demonic. And so you want to be really careful in the world in which we live, just letting people tell, oh, we're going to go do this. What is that? 
Why are you doing? Why are you why are you making that noise? Why are we hum, hum, hum? What is that about? Who is that to? Who are we? You know, you can't just you, you know as a Christian you can't just pray with everybody, right? I hope y'all know this. There are groups that are like, oh, let's just have everybody together. Let's coexist. No, I can't pray with you. You don't even know God. So whoever you're talking to is not God, and I'm not trying to be in the conversation. I pray with Christians. We cry out to the God of heaven and earth through Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe in that. But I'm not rolling up with a Muslim or rolling up with an Eastern religion or rolling up with. You don't even know God. I'm praying for you, not with you. And so don't be don't be shy about that. Somebody asks them, what are what do you believe in? I can't, we can't pray with you. I pray for you. That's idolatry. Anything that we, we hold above the Lord. Next, the word sorcery. This was interesting because it, it has two kind of ideas with it. One is witchcraft. The other is illicit drugs. Uh, interesting because in that culture, illicit drugs were part of sorcery. It was a part of the witchcraft that it was how you got your mind white right for the witchcraft was through the illicit drugs, which brought you into a place where they were conjuring up demons and so forth and so on. And so the Greek word for sorcery is pharmakia. It, it literally means it's, it, it's, it means illicit drugs. Uh, and it means sorcery. It means both things. And so there are people that today as you go out and talk to people, they're like, well, the Bible doesn't say you can't get high, you can't smoke weed. Mm-hmm. Bible doesn't say, what the Bible say about weed? I want you to listen right now. Anybody here is a weed person. I want you to hear me out real good on this word. I want you to look it up. I want you to go home and do a study on your own. You can look this up. This is, these are not my words. You go home and do your own research. Go Google it, right? Pharmakia, illicit drugs. Drugs that impact your mind, marijuana is on the list. Marijuana impacts the way you think. And so that's why people smoke it. It, it feels good. They get high. Um, it, it impacts your mind. Here's what people don't understand with that. Drugs are a gateway into the demonic realms, some more so than others. And so you look at there are higher levels of illicit drugs. You know, marijuana has for a long time been looked at as it's just kind of just low, you know, we just, just, get, just get high, just get relaxed. You know, it's not really a big deal. Crack is a big deal. You know, heroin, that's no, you know, speed, those are real drugs. Marijuana is just like, you know, it just, that's, it's an herb. God made it. <laughs> did God make cocaine? Yep. He did. Not for you to smoke it, but he made it. But if you smoke it, will you be out of your mind and out of your money and out of your house and out of your car? And you'd be out of everything, right? That's what happened if you smoke it. Um, so God made marijuana. All these things have some genuine, some purpose, uh, not all of which is for us to smoke them. And so here's the deal with uh, marijuana, drugs, so forth. So I'm speaking on marijuana because I think that one's, I don't think anybody would argue with me. I've never had someone say, I think you could smoke crack and it'd be all right. I, but I have had countless people with this marijuana thing. And so it, it impacts your mind. You become addicted to it. If you smoke weed long enough, you'll be addicted. How do you know, Pastor? I used to be the weed man. So I watched people graduate from stress to back in my day, it was chronic. Um, I watched kids in high school pawn their class rings and their jewelry and steal from their moms just to get some weed. That's addiction. Now, I, didn't, I wasn't saved then. Don't judge me. But I watched it. And having grown up from there, I've watched people that, been they were on weed then, then they graduated to this later. Um, it's progressive. You got addicted to getting high on marijuana, but then at some point, through that addiction to getting high, you get high on something else. 
Um, Because now you're in a realm where you don't belong. As a child of God, God would say, no, I want your mind. Satan wants what God wants. Satan wants everything that belongs to God. He wants to, God wants to fill you with his spirit to possess your life for good. Satan's like, I want to move in. I want to possess your life. I want to take God's and I want to transform your mind. I want to renew your mind through the word of God and through the spirit. Satan says, I want to take over that mind. Smoke this. Smoke this and you'll lose your mind momentarily. Smoke this and while under the influence of that, you won't do what you would do in your right mind because it's given over to something else. That's why if you get pulled over high or drunk, what do you get? A DUI driving under the influence of what? Something that's not God. Something that's not God, that's what you're under the influence of. And so um, it's interesting to me that it's it's linked up with witchcraft because it does. It is a gateway. It is an open door. How does a person get possessed? How does a person, how does that kind of interaction even take place? You mess around with drugs long enough, you're going to start seeing things. You're going to have experiences. You're going to have things take place. You're going to have weird scenarios. And that's what's going to happen. That's what takes place. I have personally witnessed I personally know individuals that these things have gone I've watched it happen and so I don't think that that's the scariest thing to me is this to give my mind or give anything over to the enemy the one that hates me the one that comes to steal kill and to destroy to give him an advantage in my life where now I'm addicted to something that takes me out of a right mind so now, and then again, it's like, then what do I have to do to keep getting what I'm addicted to to stay in my right mind? Now I got to be around other people that are in the same place. So I don't feel bad about my life. Next, it's like further, Satan got you first. First, I have you doing the wrong thing. Then I have you in, in the wrong place in your mind. Now I have you with the wrong people. And you're further and further and further away from what God wants for your life until he finishes you off and destroys you or uses you to destroy other people. And so um, I love y'all. I really do. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm passionate about this because I've, when you see the ruined lives, ruined families, broken hearts, funerals, you know, the first funeral I did was for a 17 year old boy. And this is what happened. He was on a worship team at the church I was pastoring. He had got saved in ninth grade, uh, came to the church. When he got saved, his testimony was he was running around with the skater kids, smoking pot, gave his life to the Lord, uh, watched him come along, was doing great, blah, blah, blah. He met a girl, you know, she kind of stole his heart. As he was hanging out with this girl, her circle of people smoked weed. He got back into that, fell away. Boom. Ninth grade was doing awesome. Tenth grade, serving God. Uh, Somewhere between 10th and 11th grade, boom, with this girl. Smoking weed led him to hanging out with another group of kids. By the time I saw him again, he was on heroin. He came up to the church, and me and the other guy that was his pastor, James, he came up there, and you could look at him like he used to be, he was a wrestler, so he was all ripped and cut. And then I looked at him, he just looked scrawny, his hair was all long, he looked like he didn't care about himself. And he walked up and I just hugged him. I said, dude, what is going on? And he's like, Man, I've been messing up. I smoked, I mean, I've been shooting up heroin, this, that, and I said, Look, let us, we got a home. We can we can take you to a place today. Let us put you in this place. Let's let's do it now. You're here now, let's take you today. He was like, Nah, I, I promise I'm working with my dad for the rest of the week. I'll come Sunday. And I was like, man, your dad will understand. Let's do it now. And he said, no, I, I want to work the rest of the week. He wanted to work and get his paycheck. He worked. He got his paycheck that Friday. He went and bought whatever. He went and scored some heroin. He went back to his dad's house. And I got a call from his dad. This kid is in the shower, dead. OD. And I did his funeral. And that may have been the meanest funeral I've ever done. Because I'm in the funeral where you know where he got his first heroin from? 
the person that was crying the loudest and kissing his corpse, his mother. She was there. But then all the it was rows of all his little friends that he was doing this with all right there. And I was I mean, I'm, I'm, one, I'm heartbroken because I know the kid and I'm thinking, man, this went from weed to heroin to this. Boom. And I'm looking at a room full of kids that I know are still doing it, probably have some on. And I laid into them in in a godly way. But I'm like, man, this is, I want to bring it to the altar. Throw it down. Don't cry. Don't cry and then go out and get high. Y'all, you need, everybody here that want to go to a program, we got a program, you know. So that's why I'm impassioned about this. I've seen the devastation. It robs kids of parents, parents of kids. Everybody loses in the exchange. And so, um, he says, look, if that's a, and then if you're here today and you say, this is, this is a way of life for me, then today you need to hear that you, you're not, not if you're a Christian, you're not getting high every day and you're a Christian. You're not. You know why? Because the spirit of God would never lead you to do that. He would lead you to stop that. That's why you hide it. That's why everybody can't know about it. That's why you don't have to hide anything that the spirit leads you to do. Spirit lead me to, to read my Bible. Do I got to hide it? No. I read that bad boy. Read it with me if you want to. You know, if you nosy enough, the spirit of God will never lead you in that way. So we got to move on. The next one is hatred, feelings of malice toward other individuals. And um, as a person that's led of the spirit, would God ever lead you to hate someone? Hatred. We always say about hate. That's a strong word. It is. If you're a Christian, you hate people. I hate her. I hate him. You know, they did this to me. I hate him. You can't be that way. You could be unhappy with a person. You could not like what someone's done, but hatred. Um, it's, it's, that's malicious. Hatred is the foundation for what? Murder. murder right? That's the foundation for murder is hatred. And so if you're in a place where you feel that strongly negatively about someone, you want to say, Lord, this is, this is not what you want from me. This is not, I'm not being led by the spirit to feel this way towards other people. The spirit will lead you to forgive, to let go. You may have to distance yourself from certain difficult people, but not to hate them. And so hatred is a, another manifestation, an evident uh, work of the flesh. Contentions, um, discord, argumentative. If this is your manner of life, if you're just a, a you just got discord and arguments everywhere you go. That's, that's a work of the flesh. That's an outworking of a person that is in the flesh. And so that's you, right? That's your personality. Everywhere you go, you argue with them, fighting with them, contentions with them. You need to deal with that. That's that's not OK. That's not a that's not a fruit of the spirit. Right. Next one. Jealousies. This is uh, distrust and suspicions. Um, jealous of other people different than envy. You know, jealousies. It's, it's just being suspicious and distrusting of, of everybody. You know, jealousies, you know, believing that people's motives are. These are people that judge everybody's motives when they don't know. them. You know, I bet they did that because of this. Really? How do you know that? Where'd that come from? You know what? You know what the Bible says? Love does what? Love believes the best about people. You have to prove me wrong. Um, that's what the spirit would lead me to. The spirit would lead me to write off. You know what? I, I'm not going to I'm not going to fill in the blanks with a negative. I'm not going to judge you in an error, in a, in a, in a way of error. I'm going to believe the best about you unless you show me otherwise. That's what the spirit would lead. The flesh, flesh will write a book with what's not there. I bet the reason that they didn't come to this is because they was mad because last time when they walked by and I said this, they probably didn't like it. And then, you know, I probably because they were talking to their spouse and they don't like it. And then they both don't like me. And so now you, you there are people that do this and then they start behaving a certain way based on what they built up in their mind. And it's like, man, you you that's the <laughs> that is the flesh just having its way. If that is you, I love you. 
But you got to cut that out. That is that's, that is just ruin every relationship. You're going to have bad relationships everywhere you go if you do that. Thank you for joining us today on A Transforming Word. You've been listening to Pastor Bill Buffington as he continues through the book of Galatians. In Galatians 5, Paul discusses what it means to be set free by Christ. When Jesus died on the cross, he fulfilled the law and set us free from it. But Paul doesn't see that as an excuse to do whatever we want. In verse 13, he says this, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Because of the work of Jesus on the cross, you and I have been set free, and now we can love one another. Without the weight of sin on our shoulders, we are free to serve. We hope today's message has encouraged you on your walk with Christ. If you want to hear today's message again, you can listen later on YouTube. You'll find the link on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. Once again, that's calvaryinglewood.org. You can find a link to our mobile app as well. We have so many additional messages you can listen to that will help you in your walk. We also live stream the weekend services of Calvary Chapel Inglewood on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook Live. Check us out at 9 or 11 Sunday morning online or in person. For those in the area, we also have services on Wednesday evenings at 7. Well, we're running out of time today. We're so glad you were here to grow with us. A Transforming Word will be back as we are transformed together to look more like Christ. Christ.